You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. God loves his creation. The Bible says that a sparrow can't fall to the ground that the father doesn't take notice. He cares for his creation. So nothing wrong with saving the creation, nothing wrong with saving the bear and et cetera. But listen, you and I are worth much more than the animal kingdom. As important as the animal kingdom is, you and I, your neighbors, people you work with, people you go to school with, your family, we have living souls. So it's one thing to save a bear. It's another thing to see people saved. Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. God tasked man with caring for his creation. After he made this beautiful world, he saw that it was good, and he instilled a sense of that in us. But as Pastor Danny will remind us in today's message, as much as God values the animals, vegetation, and the places that he's created, there is a part of his creation that he values above all else, and that's you and me. Scripture reassures us that He's going to take care of us, and beyond that, He wants to bring us into a relationship with Him through Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Fishers of Men. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm just going to tell you, as much as I can judge my own heart, I love not fishing, I love catching. There's a difference. But still today, as much as I love catching fish, I honestly love catching men for Jesus more than I love catching fish. And that's the way it ought to be. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. They're getting ready to go fishing. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Real easy title, fishers of men. And Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So if we're following Jesus, we ought to be catching men for Jesus. Now, what is it about Jesus and following him that enables us to become fishers of men. Well, I'll tell you the first one. It's right in the text, uh, and that is simply following Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? To learn about him, to learn his commands, to follow him, to take directive from him. I was looking for illustrative material, and I just happened on this one website uh, right away. I didn't do a whole lot of looking, and I had a big question. Why do people like fishing so much? And the first answer really caught my eye. And here's the first answer. Why people like fishing so much? 
This one, and I quote, I tried to like it, but it's so boring. Yet I see so many people that would fish all day long if they could. They do it on vacation whenever they can. I tried fishing like three or four times, and all you do is sit there for a long time and wait. The only thing nice about it is it gives you an excuse, A-N-D, and excuse, to go to cool places like lakes and like the ocean, like with your family. Now, two things I ascertain when I read that. One is the person is probably fairly young by how many times they said like. And by the misspelled words, again, probably young, and, and by their statement, they've never been fishing with anybody that really knows how to fish. Because if you go fishing with me, we do not sit and we do not wait. If we are waiting, we are moving. Because I don't like fishing. But I love catching. You know the best fisherman in the Bible? You're going, it's a trick question, isn't it? No. The best fisherman in the Bible is Jesus. You say, really? Prove that. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, from what I read, going out into the deep water to let your nets down was not the common thing because nets have a limit on how far down you can catch fish. And so this would have taken real faith and obedience for Simon, a professional fisherman, to do what Jesus said. Go out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, it's an act of faith. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I'm going to suggest that's probably never happened to them before. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. I've never had a fishing day like that. That's a good fishing day. You say, I think we got to throw some fish over because the boat's going to sink. Fast forward three years, John's gospel, chapter 21, after Jesus' resurrection, John 21, verse 1, afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. You love Peter. Jesus had told them in Jerusalem, go into Galilee, and there you'll see me. Peter got tired of waiting. He's an impatient man. And he said, I'm going fishing. They say, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but they caught nothing that night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them. You tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Jesus calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? 
No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who's penning this gospel, says to Peter, it's the Lord. <laughs> they knew it was the Lord because he had done the same thing three years before. And this account not only tells us that every fish that they had in the nets was a large fish, but it tells us how many large fish they caught, 153. Jesus is the best fisherman in the Bible. And he knows how to catch fish, and because he knows how to catch fish, we shouldn't be surprised. He knows how to catch men. You want to catch fish? That's one thing. You want to catch men for Jesus? You got to follow him. Peter said, because you say so. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets for a catch. Now you think about this. At the end of Mark's gospel, when we get there, I hope we don't get there. I hope Jesus comes before we get there. But at the end, we have what's called the Great Commission. Going to all the world, Jesus said to his disciples and preach the gospel to all creation. That's not meant to be an option. Now, we're not meant to share Christ and to be fishers of men for Jesus out of guilt. Some people do, and I hope you get over that. Nevertheless, this is not an optional thing. It's a command. We call it the Great Commission again. Ezekiel chapter 3 and chapter 33, Ezekiel is told by God, if you warn the wicked person and he repents, then I won't hold you accountable for his blood. But if you don't warn him and whether he repents or not, if he doesn't repent. If you, if you warn him and he doesn't repent, I'll hold, I won't hold you accountable. If you do warn him, I won't hold you accountable. Now, I'm not sure what all that means, but it sounds serious. There's some kind of accountability we have with God in terms of people in our lives that we have an opportunity to warn and to share that you don't have to go to hell, you don't have to be damned, you don't have to die without a Savior. You can be saved because we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. So that's sobering. The, the Great Commission, coupled with that from the Old Testament, that God's going to hold us accountable if we don't warn people. And as we have an opportunity, invite them to be saved. Paul the Apostle made an amazing statement. I'd love to be able to make this statement. I really don't know if I can. He said, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And you have to believe he was thinking about Ezekiel 3 and Ezekiel 33. What he's saying is, every time I had an opportunity, an open door, I shared with someone that they might be saved. What a, what a great thing to be able to say. Now, we're going to get to this. You never have to shove Jesus down anybody's throat. As a matter of fact, I see you doing that. I'm going to rebuke you. It's not a godly thing to do. You don't have to do that, but well, I'm getting ahead of myself. You got to be a follower of Jesus. You got to follow Jesus, but you also got to have a love for the world. Now, it doesn't start out necessarily as a love for the world. This is something we grow in. We grow in. Anybody read about uh, Adam Warwick, FWC biologist, who jumped in uh, 40 miles south of Tallahassee, uh, an inlet of the Gulf of Mexico. It was four miles wide, and uh, they had shot a bear to tranquilize him. And before the tranquilizer would work, he jumps in this inlet and he's swimming the four miles, intending to swim four miles across. And the biologist says to his working buddy, he said, I got to jump in and save this bear. Anybody see that or read about it? You guys are very uninformed. 
glad you came to church. Well, anyway, he jumps in and he puts his life on the line and he goes and he literally saves a 375-pound black bear. Gets a few cuts and, and bruises, scrapes, but, but he saves the bear's life. He puts his own life on the line for a bear. Now, I'm all for that as long as somebody else is doing it. No, I'm all for that. That's a joke. But look, look, you know, but we're saving the whales. We're saving the bear. Let's start saving the babies. That's another message for another time. But listen, God loves his creation. The Bible says that a sparrow can't fall to the ground that the father doesn't take notice. He cares for his creation. So nothing wrong with saving the creation. Nothing wrong with saving the bear and et cetera. But listen, you and I are worth much more than the animal kingdom, as important as the animal kingdom is, you and I, your neighbors, people you work with, people you go to school with, your family, we have living souls. And so it's one thing to save a bear. It's another thing to see people saved. Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This verse should never get old. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. The world that he gave his one and only son. I love the song we learned as kids, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. But sometimes we don't have the love to be obedient to the great commission. Jonah, when God sent him to Nineveh, what did he do first? He ran for his life, got on the boat, headed for Tarshish, far away as he could get. Big fish swallows him three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, spits him up on the shore. He changes his mind and reluctantly, but obediently, he goes to Nineveh. And what he feared might happen, happened. The whole city gets saved. He didn't want them to get saved. Why? Because they are historically bitter enemies of the Jewish people. And so there are people that we don't naturally want to share with. We don't want to see some people saved. Let me just be honest. But the more you follow Jesus and the closer you get to Jesus, see, here's what the Father's looking to do. And you guys that have been around Bible teaching churches for long enough, you know that we're looking to be conformed by the Father into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. And the more we become like Jesus, the more we become like the Father because Jesus and the Father are one. And so the more we become like God, the more we love the world. And we begin to learn to love people that aren't very lovable. The Osama bin Ladens of life. God loves them for God so loved the world. You know who wrote John 3.16? John. <laughs> Duh. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, let me read it. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus going to the cross, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. In this culture, you might know Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. They didn't like each other at all. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And they would have liked nothing better for Jesus to say, yeah, go ahead. Call down fire on these Samaritans, especially for the way they treated Jesus. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Jesus dubbed James and John sons of thunder. I wonder why. They had tempers. 
And here their tempers flare in response to how the Samaritans treated their master and all they want to do is call down fire from heaven. But John would change. So would James. When you get to Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 17 tells us that when revival breaks out in Samaria in response to Philip going there and preaching the gospel, James and John are sent to pray for the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And they laid their hands on them, prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit the same way the Jewish believers did on the day of Pentecost. Not only that, Verse 25, when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. You see, they changed over time. And the more you follow Jesus, the more you'll change, the more I'll change. And people that we don't love and we don't even like, we want to see saved. Because God so loved the world. You want to be a fisher of men? For Jesus, follow Jesus, love the world. And then third, we got to be willing to befriend the world. Here's accusation of Jesus by his critics. The son of man came eating and drinking, he said, and they say he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They were saying that in a negative light. Because if we go to the house of people like Matthew, the tax collector, when Matthew throws a banquet in honor of Jesus, invites all of his friends, all of his friends who were known sinners, no doubt alcohol was served at that meeting, that party. Not that that's necessarily wrong in and of itself. But the Pharisees, they're looking and going, look at there. He's, look, at, look, at, look at the house he's hanging out. Look at the party he's at. Don't answer out loud. But I'm freshly challenged by this, and I thank God I was encouraged by it when I was freshly challenged. Do you have any unbelieving friends? I have friends at the, at the boat dock where I normally go in and out of, clean the fish at, etc. One guy is a captain. He doesn't know the Lord. I pray for him. I got in a conversation with him this past Saturday. He was cleaning fish after a trip. I said, did you go south today? I saw the kind of fish he had. I figured you were south today, weren't you? He goes, yeah, we were south. He said, what was your name? He remembered my face, but not my name. I said, my name's Danny. He said, oh yeah, Pastor Danny. That's what he said. I got a reputation at the dock. (laughs) Then he said, Reverend he called me Reverend. I'm like, don't call me Reverend. He said, Reverend. And then he asked, asked me to pray for some people. Hey, there's a witness there. I love taking unbelievers fishing, especially when we're going 30 miles out. <laughs> and you get an open door 30 miles out, buddy, you got plenty of time to share. <laughs> what are they going to do? Jump out and swim home? I don't like it rough, but sometimes it gets rough and I go, Lord, you sent this, didn't you? We got an unbeliever on the boat. Are you ready to die? If you die today. I've been in those situations. I'm not kidding. I had a captain of a boat in the middle of a storm. I'm not, this story, I didn't tell in any other service. You're very blessed. Captain of the boat. He's the captain of the boat. We're in the worst storm I've ever been at in my life. I really thought we were going to see Jesus. I didn't think we were going to survive. And finally, he, with everybody else huddled down in the front, escaping it, I'm like, I need to be with the captain just to encourage him. So I'm out with the life vest on. He's got his life vest on. And he looks at me and says, what should we do? I'm like, you're the captain. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't die that day. And you know what he said? 
You know what he said afterward? He said, that storm was for me. He committed his life to Christ. That's the true story. But don't pray for more storms while I'm fishing. Don't you do that. Take advantage of it when it comes, but I don't necessarily like it. Now, I need to say one note before we move on. We need to have friends in the world, but you need to be very careful that when you befriend the world, you don't let the world pull you back to the life you left to follow Jesus. You need to have better and closer friends who know and love Jesus. But we all ought to have friends in the world. But our closest friends ought to be those who follow Jesus along with us. Because without those kind of friends, it's easy just to go back into the old life. You don't want to do that. And by the way, I'm not for, and I don't believe the Bible is for missionary dating. I see these people saying, my boyfriend, you know, and I'm bringing him to church. I'm like, you shouldn't even have a boyfriend that doesn't know Jesus. You shouldn't have a girlfriend that doesn't know Jesus. That's, that's just, you, you shouldn't be there. Don't go there. If you are there, get out of it until you know they really know Jesus. More than just they come to church with you. That's another whole message in itself. And then my favorite point, proper equipment. And fishing for Jesus? Listen, you go fishing, you better have the proper equipment. I've had people on the boat and they don't, they're they just not experienced. And I used to be not experienced, all right? But I have to rig up their line differently. I'll give them one of my poles, you know, and say, here, here's what you need. And we'll get them right and they'll catch fish, you know? They'll catch the right fish. Proper equipment. You say, where do you get that from the Bible? First Peter 3, always be prepared to give an answer. There are different fish out here. Different bents. And we need to approach sometimes a different way. Now, there's only one hook. We'll get to that at the end. Ephesians. God's given leadership in the church to prepare God's people for works of service. The writer to the Hebrews says, I pray to God that he equip you with everything good for doing his will. Everything good for doing his will. It's taken years, but now I've gotten better at it. This poll was given to me a long, long time ago, back in the warehouse days, by some friends of mine at Calvary Chapel. They surprised me. Actually, on a Sunday, I think, they did it. They arranged with the other leaders, and they, they gave me this poll. They gave me a dive tank, and uh, this is a grouper poll. This is what you want if you're going to catch grouper, all right? This poll has caught more grouper and more fish than any other poll I've ever owned. Now, I've owned it longer than any other poll, but there's something about this poll. It is anointed. I'm not kidding. You can even touch this pole and you'll go out and you'll have a better day. And you tell, you, you'll know what kind of a Christian I've become because if you come on my boat uh, and it's your first time, I will let you use this pole. And a lot of times the people that, that have this pole, they will catch the biggest and the most fish. It's anointed. For years I didn't, but now almost every time. We throw out what we call a flat line. I've got this rigged up as a flat line. I've got fluorocarbon leader on here, a certain size, not too heavy, not too light, because usually you get a bigger fish on the flat line. I'm mainly a bottom fisherman. I don't really like trolling. I don't have the patience for it. I like catching, not fishing. While we're bottom fishing, we'll take a live bait and we'll throw this one out the back and we'll put it in the rod holder. And you never know who might come along while you're catching other fish. You never know who might just show up. I've named this one now, renamed it in, in light of this message, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't really looking to be a follower of Jesus. He's just kind of curious, you know, and Jesus trees him and he gets saved that day. You never know who might just show up. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.